Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It's on page 652 if you have one of the house Bibles. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Rich, if you want to come up, I'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with my brother Rich today as he brings the word to us. I ask that you would fill him with your spirit, that you would fill him with conviction, that you would fill him with love for our congregation. I ask that the Holy Spirit would be active as he preaches, um, that it would open our hearts, um, open our minds. Um, Lord, I ask that you would just bless us today with your word. We trust that you'll grow us. Um, we trust that you'll do something. And uh, we just ask that you'll um, be with us throughout the rest of the service. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, so, uh, again today, we are uh, going back to the series that we've been doing about once a month, uh, what we're calling our old school series. Um, the idea of old school is that we get back to the basics, get back um, to, those, um, to those base level things that make a church a church, and specifically that make our church, Karis, our church. Um, we call these things the Karis distinctives. Um, what is it about Karis that makes us distinct? Now, that, that can be distinct from the world, and, and that's really what we're shooting for, but it also... Um, can be things that are distinct from other churches. Now, as we talk about the things, these are things that um, we're hopeful aren't really that distinctive. We hope that there are many, many churches uh, that, that share these distinctives because we believe that these are the marks of a healthy, God-honoring, and Christ-exalting church. But these are things that we are always actively thinking about, always actively pursuing, always actively striving to identify us as Karis. So far, we've, done, we've looked at three of these. Um, the first Karis distinctive uh, is that we are word-driven, that the Bible, the Word of God, informs and instructs us on who God is, on what He has done, on who we are, and on what we are called to do. Uh, so we're word-driven. The second is that we are God-centered, that we exist as individuals and as a church for the glory of God, and thus all that we are and do are to glorify God. Uh, the third distinctive that we looked at last time we were in this series is that we are gospel-focused, that we need God's good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, not just to be saved from our sin and judgment, but also as we carry on in life every day. And thus, as a church, we focus on who Christ is, what he has done, and what he calls us to do through our faith in him. So those are our three distinctives we done, we've done so far. Word, that we are word-driven, that we are God-centered, and that we are gospel-focused. Today, we're going to look at our fourth distinctive, and that is that we are community 
oriented. Our fourth distinctive is that we are community oriented. Uh, when we talk about being community oriented, this is what we're talking about. There should be a big long block of text. We just try, try to jam it into all one, one paragraph so you get it. If you want to know what community oriented, this is what we mean. Uh, we're talking about a desire for loving relationships found in fellowship with God's people. Chorus will be a congregation where relationships will be seen as the main sphere of ministry. Hospitality will be practiced and celebrated. Small groups and friendships will be encouraged. Space will be left in the congregation's weekly schedule to allow for biblical community that God's people may grow. Chorus will be community-oriented instead of program-oriented. We desire to dwell together in unity, inviting others to join us. So we say that we want community to be the main sphere of influence, that the, the, the life together in one-on-one -on -one relationships in the church, in small group relationships in the church, and the relationship as we gather together as a whole church uh, are the way in which we are going to minister. So we're going to minister to each other and building each other up and moving us closer to Christ and reminding us who we are, reminding us what God has done. Those are things that we do together, not just equipping individuals to go do those things themselves. Um, we uh, emphasize hospitality. We want people to open up um, their homes and, and their lives to each other so that we are all sharing in our, all of our experiences together. We're not a church where everybody holds everybody what we call arm's length, that we say, I'm going to let you close, but only this close. No, we, we are people who invite each other in. Uh, we have small groups. We are our missional communities. And friendships will be encouraged. We, we have lots of things that we um, do to get people together on behalf of the church so that those relationships can grow. Space will be left in the congregation's weekly schedule to allow for biblical community. We, we aren't going to load the church schedule up with a program for this and a program for that and a program for that. So um, when we're talking about, hey, um, what do we do about our kids? Like, well, let's gather weekly on Tuesday nights to study how we can be better parents. We're not necessarily going to do it that way. What we're going to do is, as parents, we're going to come together with each other, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to leave space for you to say, hey, why don't you bring your kids over? They'll play, and we'll, and, and we'll talk, or we'll study, or we'll um, just hang out and rest together. Um, we, want, we intentionally don't want to put more in the calendar um, that, that will wind up replacing um, the real relationship that grows um, as we share life together. And, and so we desire to dwell in unity, inviting others to join us. We want to be united. We want to have one mind. Um, we want to have one heart. Um, we want to have one direction as we, um, as we seek to build each other up and we seek um, to reach out to our world. Okay, um, that, I, I could stop because I've said everything, but what, why don't we see what God's Word has to say about it? Um, what's, let's, let's elaborate on that. Let's see um, what our passage has to say to us, the Karis Jeff City community, about being uh, community-oriented. I start at verse um, 19, and when you start at verse 19 of chapter 10, I'm going to get, I'm literally going to do two words. Um, therefore, brothers, and I'm going to stop there. Um, therefore, brothers, this passage is not directed to people, individual people. This is not to us as individuals. Instead, um, the use of the word brothers, who were brothers. Brothers are the church. Brothers and sisters are the way that we refer to members of the church. Why do we do that? Um, because um, we have all been adopted. 
We've all been adopted. If we are in Christ, we've been adopted as God's sons and daughters. And if I'm adopted and if you're adopted, if we're adopted by the same parent, we are legally uh, brother and sister. And so that's what the church is. Um, and so when God says, therefore, brothers, he's saying, I'm talking to you now, and the things I'm going to say here um, in the rest of this passage are about us, are about we. Throughout the passage, we're going to see those words. We're going to see us and we. The words we're not going to see in this passage are me and I. We're not going to see a talk about what I as an individual am supposed to do or what you as an individual are supposed to do. Not that we're not going to do things individually based on what it says, but the idea is that we do these things for each other, with each other, together. Um, it's, uh, there's so many Christians who, who see the world as, uh, and the Christian life as a me and I thing. Uh, they're looking for personal spiritual growth. They're looking for the personal relationship. We hear that word. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, that is right. That is good. And that is necessary to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the problem. It's not only about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It was never meant to only serve you as, as an individual. Well, it is necessary, necessary for the Christian um, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not enough for the Christian to have only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus has not only welcomed up us into a relationship with him, he has welcomed us into a relationship with an us, with a body, with his people. Um, why? Why is it insufficient um, to just go, I, hey, I, me and Jesus, and we're good, and you know, I'm just going to follow him, and I, I don't need any of this other stuff. Um, why? Here are some of the problems when it's just you, um, as an individual without a community, uh, a, a community in Christ. Um, when your relationship with Jesus is only about you, you lack full obedience. First thing, you lack full obedience. Fifty-nine times in the New Testament, the Bible says to do something to one another. Um, it says things like love one another, serve one another. Um, it, it, lots of things to do to one another. We cannot be faithful to those commands if we don't have one another's. We have to have one another's. And when he's talking about one another, he's not talking about any random person. He's talking about other Christians, other people united with him in his body. He's talking about the church. Um, when you love one another, you're loving those who are his. So if we're going to be obedient to what Christ has called us to, we have to not have just an individual faith, but we must have a faith in community. Um, second problem um, when your relationship with Jesus is only about you, you lack full understanding. You lack full understanding. There's a saying out there in the, in the, in the, in the churchy Christian evangelical world that says, um, all that a Christian needs is me and my Bible to understand the Christian life. Now, we believe, as, as, as Protestants and as Baptists, we believe that the Bible is sufficiently understandable for an individual believer. We believe that we don't need uh, a priest or intercessor of some kind to come and say, the Bible means what I say it means, not what you read it and think it means. Okay, you, we, 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 we say you can read the Bible. You don't, need someone, um, you don't need someone to establish what the words on the page uh, means. But when we only listen to our own voice reading the Bible, 
Um, we, ignore that we, we ignore certain things about ourselves. We ignore that we have certain ideas about who, about who we are and how life's supposed to be. We, uh, we ignore that we have certain blind spots um, in our understanding of things. We have uh, certain shortcomings, um, be it we, you know, we just don't, reading comprehension may not be our thing, or we don't really know anything about the history and, this is, and how this is written, so we're going to miss the point a lot of times. Um, all of these things can affect our ability to properly understand what God has actually said and what he wants us to do um, with what he has said. Uh, there's a pastor um, down, in, uh, down in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. His name's Terry Johnson. He puts it this way. Biblical interpretation should never be merely a matter of just me and my Bible. Why? Because we can't trust our solitary selves. We're not meant to be self-sufficient. We're not meant to be self-sufficient. We were built to be reliant on others. We were built to be reliant on God, and we were built to be reliant on other people. When God created Adam, God said it is not good for man to be alone. Um, so, he, so then the Bible says, so he created male and female. He created for there to be community. He created for there to be the Because we, on our own, can't be self-sufficient because we are going to miss a lot of stuff. That's why God, uh, that's why God says, example, um, Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. There's one of those one another's. The one of the other things that, uh, that we are to do is we need to be exposed to the wisdom, uh, to more wisdom together. Collectively, we know more we've experienced more, we've learned more than we have as any individual. That's just absolutely necessarily true. Your brain is finite. Your life is finite. You only can do what you have obtained. You need other people because they have had different experiences. They have had um, different educations. They have had um, different exposure to, uh, to different life. And so we, we crave the diversity that comes with reaching out and pulling together a body of, of all sorts of different kinds of people so that collectively we have so much more than we can have uh, as an individual. Um, and so we are exposed to more wisdom um, than if we are by ourselves. We are to teach and to be taught. Um, if we're by ourselves, we cannot teach anybody. If we are by ourselves, we cannot be taught by anybody. Um, same thing with admonish. When we use the word admonish, what we're meaning is urging each other towards obedience, urging each other um, towards Christ-likeness. You can't, you, I mean, you can urge yourself, but I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm really bad at urging myself because I'm, all, I'm more than happy to ignore myself. It's like, hey, Rich, let's get to the gym today. And then 20 minutes before you're going to go to the gym, it's like, hey, Rich, let's just go get some McDonald's instead. It's just, you know, but if somebody else is there, say, hey, you're not going to do that because you said we're going to do this. All right. You know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's that way. We urge each other because we're better at, now some of you might be like, I would, you know, I'm, I'm great at holding myself accountable. Well, great. Then help us. Help me. Come together. Let us work together to share um, those gifts that we have to teach and to encourage and urge each other um, on together. Another problem. Um, and by, by the way, I'm, I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list of problems with, with trying to live out the Christian life by yourself. Um, but these are just the, the some um, that I came up with. But here's the one, uh, last one I have. When your relationship is, with Jesus is only about you, you lack full accountability. 
You lack full accountability. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to who? To one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We need to be able to confess to get our sins out in the light where they cannot hide and they have less power. Hey, you confess to God, you, you repent to God, God forgives. You don't need, um, again, you, you don't need any mediator other than Christ for your sins to be forgiven. But there is something about confession to each other, to a body, that says, you know what, I'm not going to let my sin, because I, I, I guarantee God, Jesus said it, when he said how often to forgive, he, it's, it's, he said 70 times 7, he didn't mean only that many. He meant an innumerable number of times. God will forgive you a innumerable number of times, but that sin's still going to hold power over you. That still is still going to um, plague you until you let it out into the light and let it open. And so, so we're, we're called to do that. We're called to be accountable to each other. We need to pray to each other, uh, excuse me, pray for each other um, that we pursue his righteousness um, we want to implore God on behalf of each other to allow his spirit to work mightily in each other. We need each other working for the good of each other, holding each other accountable to what God um, has called us to, um, to remind us of who we are in him, to remind us that, hey, Jesus died for you. And so, one, you're incredibly valuable, and two, um, you're no better than anybody else that Jesus died for. We need reminders of those kind of things all the time. So as the writer of Hebrews gives these commands for living out the Christian life, he necessarily means to show that the Christian life is, spent, is a life spent in community, the community of the church. This is, this is when Jesus said, that, you know, this is the body of Christ. This is my plan. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to come, I'm going to do lots of miracles, I'm going to do lots of teaching, and I'm going to die on a cross, and I'm going to open up, um, and I'm going to open up heaven and give us all the way back to Jesus, and then I'm taking off to go back to my Father, and you're going to go do this. Um, you, the church, the people collectively, you're going to go be me now. Um, not, hey, you, Tony, you're going to go be me. He says, church, buddy, you are going to go um, be me. Um, so, um, so this is a message to us collectively. And when I say us collectively, what do I mean? Um, who are, if we are the church, who are we uh, as a church? The passage tells us some things that are true about us as a church. Let's look again, verses 19 through 21. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, and he's going to go on and talk about some stuff that, that we do because of that, but I want to look at that because this tells us a lot about who we are. First of all, we are brothers. As I said earlier, we've all been brothers and sisters. It, it, it means like the brotherhood of general man kind of thing. So we are brothers and sisters. We are family together. We've adopted into God's family, and thus we are family we are family, and we are family forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We are, the, the relationships is that deep. Um, we have confidence to enter the holy places. We all have been given access uh, to the Father through his flesh. Um, and here what we're talking about is the story of the gospel. We're talking about the story of Christ's sacrifice. Now, when the writer of Hebrews, and we don't exactly know who that is, but when the writer of Hebrews wrote um, this letter, um, he didn't just start at, at th th this passage. He assumed that everybody would have read 
all the other pastors. So I'm going to tell you, he's been talking about this theme about Jesus being this great priest on our behalf. I do want to touch on that a little. I want to explain what he means by this language. Um, if you'll turn back to chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7, because he talks about getting through this curtain, um, and he talks about being a great priest. Uh, and so this is, a lot, this is a lot of figure of language, but um, the, the Hebrews audience, now the letter to the Hebrews would have been to a Hebrew audience. When we're talking about Hebrews, we're talking about Jews. So he's using language that Jews would get when he's talking about priesthood and he's talking about the curtain. Um, he's making specific references to things um, that the people of Israel followed. Let's read uh, uh, this passage um, here starting at, at verse 1 of chapter 9. Now, even the first covenant, that's the, that's the people of Israel, um, had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tables of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. There's a, and there's a lot of figurative stuff. There's, Jesus, uh, God was very explicit with the Israelites. Of, I want you to make all these things and gave just really finite details about, hey, one made him. Um, because this, when we're talking about this place, the most holy place, we're talking about the place where God literally came down and dwelt with his people. He dwelt with him inside this holy place behind this big curtain um, in which was the, the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the Ten Commandments, all these holy um, relic, all these reminders to the people of Israel how great God was, um, were kept. And, God, and they call that the mercy seat. God literally dwelt. This is where God sat and, and, and hung out with the people of Israel behind a really thick curtain that nobody could see through, um, which was then to, to another place. And the, the, the closer, um, not, not as close to God as the most holy place, but the, but still close, so that was the holy place that where the priests would come up and do their work, and that wasn't for everybody, that was for the priests. And so we had, God had set out this, this whole idea of, I am so holy, look at how holy I am, that I have to put this distance between us, because if you, just, if you were just exposed to me and how awesome and glorious I am, you would, you would, you would be dead, you would be gone. You just can't handle the holiness, okay? That's... Um, that's the lesson we get here. And so, um, and so except here's how you would do it. And let's at verse uh, six. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. Um, but into the second, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. Okay, so we're talking about um, once a year, so the priest would go to the holy place, not anybody else, but the priest to do the work of sacrifices. So the table of the presence, uh, the bread of the presence, and, and, and the altars, and all these things were the, were the different sacrifices um, that the priests were um, to make on behalf of the people as acts of worship and acts of uh, repentance. But once a year, uh, a day called um, Yom Kippur, um, the, to atone for the sins of the people, one priest, uh, the, high, the high priest, the, 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 you know, the top guy, would, would get to go into the, to the most holy place uh, before God and offer sacrifice there um, for the entire people um, to kind of like 
be like this overall sacrifice for them this year. And they would do it every year, every year, every year. They did this, it talks about in a tent. They did this in the tabernacle when they were with Moses wandering in the wilderness and entering the place. And then eventually they build a temple and the same thing is there. These curtains that separate the people from God. So when, when, when here in chapter 10, it says, um, by the new living way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, here's what happened. Matthew 20, 27, 50 through 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two uh, from top to bottom. This distance that God said, you have to have from me because you can't be in my presence. Jesus dies and God says, that's done. That's done. Jesus' death has opened you to my glory. He has opened you to my presence. You can now be with me because Jesus died for you. By his sacrifice, he forever opened that which concealed the glory of God from man. And he did away with the unholiness that kept man from God. That's Jesus as priest. That's Jesus as sacrifice. That's Jesus, that's Jesus giving us full access to the glory of God. But not only did he do that once, and, the, and Hebrews tells us he did that once for all. You don't have a sin that you have committed or will commit for the rest of your life that Jesus has not taken on the cross, that God has not looked down and said, the punishment is fulfilled because Jesus took it for you. But he's still working on our behalf. Um, he, not only in his sacrifice, he in, the Bible tells us he intercedes for us regularly. When we're talking about interceding, we talk about, sometimes we talk about interceding or intercessory prayer. We pray for each other, for the needs that we have each other. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, testifying today as he looks down on us and go, mine, they are mine, Father, they are mine. Um, you have given to me, them to me, and they are mine. You love them, and you forgive them, and you bless them because they are mine. We, you, I, we are his. We are his body, and he does that for us forever and ever until he comes again um, to establish his kingdom. Um, all of these things that we're talking about are, what, are, are things that happen to us through the gospel. Um, the, through the gospel. We talk about that every day. Every, we talk about that every Sunday. It's the gospel. Um, this leads us to remember the most important thing about the community which defines us. So we're talking about community today. Um, so we're like, well, you're backtracking because you're doing, we did gospel last time. No. Um, the most important thing that we can remember about community, it is not merely community for the sake of community. We are not here just to be in community. If you want to be here just for the sake of finding friends or having people that care about you, I'm telling you, first of all, that will happen. Um, you, 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 you are in this community. You have people who love you. You have people who take care of you. You have people who want to hang out with you and be, be with you. But that is not enough. It's not going to be enough for you. A, a day is going to come that we're going to disappoint you. Um, there's going to be a day that's going to come that we're not going to meet your expectations. There's a day that's going to come that we are going to challenge you in a way that you don't want to be challenged. There's going to be a day that you're going to be angry at this community. And if you're just here because you, you, want, to, you want to be with people who like you, you're, there's going to be a day that you're going to feel, well, apparently they don't like me. 
because they sinned against me or they told me things that I didn't want to hear. We are all sinners in tremendous need of tremendous amounts of grace, of encouragement, and of guidance. That's true of you. It's true of me. It's true of us leading. It's true of everyone here. I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And if our community is only based on, hey, don't mess up towards me, we're going to fall apart because that's just who we are. The only way the community can survive sinfulness if it doesn't exist just for the sake of community, but for the sake of the gospel that saves us. Because we are sinners bought at the great price of Jesus' death on the cross um, for us. Because we all understand that each of us is so greatly flawed and without hope apart from him. And because we get that the primary reason for our relationship is not to serve ourselves, it's not to make us feel better about ourselves, um, but to honor Jesus' life and death for us and to be obedient to his call to live as he did in trusting in him with faith in him. We can not only survive disappointments and hard times in our relationships, we're going to thrive through them. Um, when the relationship is about him, when our relationship is about him and not about us, we will persist. We will persevere. We will hang together. How do we do this? How do we have this community that we are called to have, that we are oriented around as a church for the sake of the gospel? First, we see that our lives and community are to point upward to his truth. See that our lives and community are to point upward to his truth. Let's read verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our life together leads us to direct our hearts and our minds and our actions to God. First thing we see here, it's drawing near with a true heart. We seek to draw nearer to God and have our hearts um, full of him, filled by him. We, so um, how do we do that? How do we draw closer to God? Well, we gather, we pray together. We pray by ourselves and we pray together. We read scripture by ourselves and we read scripture together. We think about the things he has done for us. We tell each other, we remind each other about the things that he has done for us. We tell him, uh, we tell, I'll tell, I'm going to talk about how, how good um, God is. What, what great thing is it that Jesus has done? Um, uh, what, what is it that, that the Holy Spirit is doing us? We're going to remind us of who we are uh, in Jesus. We're going to shape our hearts um, to be um, full of him. We draw near with a true heart, second, in full assurance of faith. Um, as, we, as we feed each other uh, and feed ourselves more of Jesus, uh, we are going to trust <coughs> in him more. We're going to think and talk a lot about the gospel. We're going to think and talk about how loved we are, how accepted we are. Um, get this, before the world was formed, he chose us. He chose us to be his children. He orchestrated our lives to bring us to him, um, to reconcile to him. He sent his Holy Spirit to us through the love, mercy, and power um, opened up to us by the death and resurrection of Jesus. He has done so much. We will tell each other how much he has done so that we can look at that and go, how could I not trust him? He's so good. He's done so much. Of course he's worthy of trust. Together we will we will, we will strengthen our souls to, to trust in that. And with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, 
from a heart, a heart speak will clean from evil conscience. So we draw near to him and we trust him. He reshapes our minds um, to turn our, our, our selfish desires of our hearts um, to turn from that and to turn to his righteousness. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that, you, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So he's talking about all these, you know, he's talking about the will of God, and then he, he, he uses all these kind of, kind of feeling languages, good, acceptable, perfect. That's perfect. Oh, perfect feels good, doesn't it? Um, acceptable, being accepted. That's, yeah, no, that's, um, that's, our, our, our minds will help shape our hearts as our hearts fill our minds. Um, so we'll, so how do we do that? We um, come together, we study, um, we discern, we challenge each other to apply the word to our lives. We let him and not ourselves define who we are and what we think. We no longer say, Bible says A, but I think, dot, dot, dot. We say, no, we just, Bible says, stop it. It's, that's, that's us. That's who we are. We, we, we will need to work at that. We will need to push each other to work at that. There's so many opinions out in this world, and 99% of them ignore God. And so, you know what? Those aren't our opinions anymore. Um, we don't get those anymore. We get his opinions. We get his ideas. We get our, the identity we have through him. And we will urge each other towards our minds being renewed to be after Christ and only Christ. And the last thing it says, and our bodies washed with pure wet water. Again, this is another reference back to Old Testament times. Um, um, in addition to having the priest have to go through and do all these sacrificial things, there's also all of these rules about how to keep yourself pure. And if you did something that made yourself unpure, you had to go and do these ceremonial washings, which could be everything from washing in a basin to having to get yourself submerged in a tub so that every, every inch of you um, was covered um, with water. This idea of being ceremonial and unclean. It's like, well, what do I, I you know, you, you might think, well, if I sin, I'll be ceremonial and unclean. I, I could get that. But no, they had to do things for like illnesses, you got a rash, you were unclean. If you know, if you were the if, if you were an undertaker, you were unclean like all the time because touching a dead body would make you unclean. Uh, ladies were unclean once a month. Okay, you were this there, all this all this time. God God said, I demand purity. Here's all these things that are impure, are unpure, and you're like, that's a big list. And he goes, then wash in the water, and you will be made pure. Wash in the ceremonial water, and you will be made pure. And so that's what, that's what uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about here. Um, here's the thing. Um, what, here's what, here's what, here's what uh, God is saying here. Um, our bodies are made clean by the washing, um, not because we dip ourselves in, into water. And we're not even really talking about, like, baptism here, but we're talking about Jesus um, testified that, yeah, you, there's this other water, but I am living water. Um, we are washed pure when the Holy Spirit applies Jesus to our lives. That is the washing of water. Um, no longer do our bodies uh, are, are unclean by the things that we do. Our bodies are now clean because Jesus has made us clean. Um, and so um, daily we, we, we remind ourselves and we urge um, the Spirit for each other um, to lead us to, be, uh, to pursue what is clean and righteous and not what is unclean and unrighteous. So we see that our lives and community are to point upward to him, to look at him and go, my mind, my heart, and my body belong to you. Um, uh, and so together we say our minds and our hearts 
and our bodies uh, belong to him. Um, second, we see that our lives and community are depressed inward to strengthen us. Uh, to strengthen us. So we see that our lives and community are depressed inward to strengthen us. So we are in community. And I keep, you know, I've kind of said, like, don't make this about yourself. But there are things about this that are about us, our, our, ourselves. Um, as we do all of these Godward things of shaping hearts and minds towards him, um, our enemies are going to fight back. They're going to hate us for this. Um, the world, our own flesh, and Satan get angry when believers start believing um, and start living uh, like they believe. We're going to be, um, and, and so we have the world, and the world is going to pull us to love the things that the world loves, to, to work the things that the, that the world does. So we're going to chase idols like control and power and comfort, and that's going to look like our pursuit of money and wealth and identity through our achievements. And it's going to look like pursuits of sex and food and, and other th- and amusements and things that we use. Amuse um, means unthinking. We would use things that we just waste our time with. Um, we're going to pursue political power and we're going to stab each other in the back. We're going to pursue corporate power. We're going to pursue, we're going to pursue all the way that the world um, says, hey, look at me, I'm a big deal um, because I know how to insult somebody who disagrees with me. Um, we, we, those are, that, that's the world telling us, hey, yeah, you got that Jesus thing, but you can be like us too. Um, our flesh, our flesh. Um, we're going to ignore what Christ says about who we are, and we're going to look to our opinions, and we're going to look to our appetites to control our mind and define us. The flesh wars at us and says, yeah, I know you want to be holy, but I want what I want. Um, Paul testifies to that in Romans chapter 7, talks about, you know what, the things that I want to do, the things that are of Christ, I don't do, and the things that the flesh wants, I do. And why? Because, because, because the flesh puts up a battle when we start pursuing Jesus. And we're going to believe lies. We're going to believe lies about how unworthy we are because we still fight and lose battles with sin. We're going to believe lies about how unworthy the other person is because they're not getting in line with my program. We're going to believe lies about how unworthwhile life in Christ is because it's hard. Um, Because it'll call us to sacrifice things we want or it dares to suggest that on our own we're not good enough. Um, We're going... Satan is going to lie to us, and he's going he's to tell us what he told Eve back in the garden. Did he really say that? Don't you want to be in control of your life instead of having him in control of your life? And alone, if we're alone in this battle, because that's, there, I mean, there's nothing left. It's your own body rebelling against you. It's everything else in the world against you, and it's Satan, a power beyond um, just the, the physical in this world. There, it, there really can't be more lined up against us. And if you're by yourself, that battle is so, it's too, it's too hard for you. It is too hard for you. You're going to lose that battle. We're so easily defeated. We so easily fall back into sin. Um, we so easily run to legalism and trying to impose all these rules because um, we don't trust ourselves in Christ. Or we'll adopt this cultural Christianity. I, you know, I did this. I've been there where it's like, well, I'm going to read books and listen to podcasts 
and, and I'm going to read websites and blogs, and I'm going to listen to radio sermons, and I'm going to have worship music, and I'm just going to, I'm going to have all the trappings of Jesus, but I'm still going to let my heart indulge in me. Um, we're going to do, when you're by yourself and you say, I don't need a church because I can find churchy things in other parts of the world. I'm sorry, that, that pastor whose radio show or whose, whose, whose podcast you love isn't going to be there with you when you're tempted to sin. You need, you need the Jesus with flesh on that's around you um, to fight that battle. Together, together we can remind each other of the truth of the gospel. We can help each other to see our sin. We can hold each other accountable. We can help each other um, to hold fast, to hold fast, to cling hard, um, um, to remain tightly secured uh, remain tightly secured it's like you know it's it's like well i can just put duct tape on this or i can stick some steel rivets in there i mean we we're to, we, you know we're gonna rivet ourselves um to the body um ecclesiastes 4 just beautiful language um about about this truth two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall one will lift up his fellow but whoa to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We, we rely on each other. We use each other and help each other to remember the truth of God's love for us, to remember our identity in him, and to pursue his call to faithfulness in him because he is so faithful to us. So, um, so we, 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 we look upward, um, we look inward, and now third, we see that our lives of community are meant to push outward to encourage each other. Verse 24, um, kind of the money verse, but we've kind of already talked about pretty much all of it already in looking at these other things. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day uh, drawing near. We are to consider. Um, this, uh, this word consider conveys serious thinking. Um, serious thinking. And we're not supposed to just like, encourage each other or stir each other. We're actually supposed to think about how we should do that. We need to think about how to serve each other in this way. We are careful to consider the person. We're careful to consider their background. Careful to consider their hurts. Um, their sin, their abilities. We aren't going to say the same things in the same way to the same people at the same time as we're trying to encourage each other. You know, um, you know for me, if, I, if I'm having a problem and, you know, and, and, and Tony would say, hey, there's this great book. Why don't you? And I'm like, book? Yeah, I'll, I'll read a book. Awesome. Um, I'm not going to do that with everybody because um, some of you have been just brutally honest, like, I'm not a reader. I'm, you give me a book and I'm going to look cool on my shelf, but I ain't going to do anything, you know. Um, but so, so, so for you, we're going to have lunch, or um, we're going to go hang out, or, or, um, or, you, or, or maybe you will listen to something, or, or maybe you'll read an article because it's only a page and a half, and it's like, you know, okay, I can stick through that, okay. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to somebody who has studied the Bible for 20 years the same way I'm going to talk to somebody who's been a believer for three weeks. Um, we're going to pursue each other in the way that we pursue. If, some, if, if one person is arrogant and the other person is crushed by their sin, you get different kinds of, of helping each other. 
Um, you get different kinds of helping each other. How I speak to a 20-something young woman, a 40-year-old man, and my 7-year-old daughter are all going to be different, even though the purpose and the goal is the same, to help encourage, to help lead, to help, help them strive, stir them up to good works. What I'm saying is what we exercise wisdom. We exercise wisdom in how we deal with each other. Um, and when we do speak, the things we say are to stir each other up to love and good works. Um, stir up means uh, big, big fancy churchy word, exhortation. Exhortation. We urge. Back to that word again. It, comes, it keeps coming up. We urge. This suggests that when you use the word urge, we suggest this is kind of urgent, isn't it? It's, it's kind of important um, that we do these things. Um, so we're going to do, um, we're going to urge each other to encourage each other. Um, here's it. When we're, when we're encouraging each other, encourage means, you know, encouraging. It's, that should be a word like, it, it makes you want to pursue. Um, the goal is to strengthen faith, not mere, merely to tear down sinfulness. Sometimes we got to tear down sinfulness. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, we get, we got to punch. Um, we got to say, dude, you're just missing your sin here. Um, but that's not how, but we, we are doing that so we can say, you can let that go because Jesus loves you and he's yours um, and you're his. And so trust in that. Um, be secure in that. You are so loved and accepted. You are so loved and accepted. You don't need to do that stuff because you've got this so much better stuff. Um, we must guard against unnecessary harshness. But at the same time, we also must not fear confronting things which fight against faith. We cannot be afraid. Um, to pre- we're not going to preserve a false peace. We're not going to try to go to war with each other, but we're not going to preserve a false peace. We have to speak when we have to speak. And guys, that's hard. And, it, you know, and recently I've had to do that. It's hard. And it, you know, and it, and it hasn't worked out well. Um, but we have to be faithful. We have to stir each other up to love and good works. If if there's bad works, then we have to say, hey, no, we want, to, we, want, we, want, we want to encourage you and walk with you in good works. It's good. Even if it's hard, we have, to, we have to pursue. We have to. It's urgent. It's urgent that we do. We don't neglect meeting together. And we don't neglect meeting together here at Cars. That's just, you know, so we have, we have our Sunday mornings. We gather um, for God-honoring worship together. Um, the guy says, I can worship God just fine on the golf course. Not when you start cursing because you missed the putt on the eighth hole. You can't, okay? Okay, that's a lie. That's one of those things Satan believes. I can worship just fine someplace other than with God's people. If that was true, then God wouldn't have written a whole bunch of words in his Bible about how you come together to worship God together. Um, we meet together on Sunday mornings for God-honoring worship um, as a body, his body. Um, we are informed and we are transformed um, by his word. We come together to do that because he told us to. Um, we gather together in our missional communities. Um, we engage in hospitality, that word um, that we mentioned earlier in our, in our description of the car's distinctive. Um, hospitality is I open my home. Um, I invite you out to a meal. Um, let's take our kids to the park and hang out. Um, uh, let's go to game three of the 2014 uh, the American League Championship Series, which was awesome. Um, uh, we, you know, we, 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 we spend, we, 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 we all have stuff that we do 
um, we do together. Um, we share, uh, so with the members of our missional community, we, we come together in our meetings, we share meals. Um, and for, for like Jewish believers, meals was life. Um, the, the hospitality of a meal, I'm not just sharing a meal with you. I'm doing, you, you realize, you don't really think about it, how intimate the idea of eating is. It's like you're constantly opening your mouth. You're, you, 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 you're, you're always caught in a weird place in the conversation. Um, you know, it's like I'm, I'm fueling up the body is what I'm doing, and yet I'm doing it with all these people watching me. Um, although you might say, well, nobody's really, if you're staring at me, that's creepy, stop that. Um, but, um, but we're doing this in the presence of other people. It's, it's, it's a thing where you're like, hey, this is, this is a necessity of my life, but I'll share that with you. Um, come along. Um, we study together. We pray for each other. We engage in, in community together, missional communities. Fight clubs. Um, fight clubs. We gather together in smaller groups to study the word together, talk about sin with each other, press into each other to encourage um, that life. Um, and then I have just this final, final thing. Gather together anywhere else you can. Anywhere else you can. Um, my Facebook uh, messenger was just, like, y'all couldn't just stop talking about this concert over by the river. Um, message after message. I'm like, I'm like, I'm having lunch. Tony and I are meeting to talk about church business. And I'm like, that's the 45th message on this stream. Which, which was annoying, and I loved every second of being annoyed by it because you, we were coming together to go someplace and hang out together and be a family together um, because it's awesome. Do that. Do those things. Um, invite each other for dinner. Go to each other's kids' events. Um, Trace Curley, she's not here, so she's going to get me here and brag on it, but th- then her head won't get big but anything. Tracy Curley has been to more than one Lawson Elementary grade school programs to watch kids she doesn't know, except for one of them, who's in her MC, um, sing songs for 20 minutes um, and maybe get to say seven words. Um, My wife's upstairs and she's the teacher, so, you know, I go to them all too. um, And I'll tell you, the artistic merit of them is not the draw, okay? I'm just saying, it's not like, it's not like, Ooh, Tony award-winning play? No. Second graders trying to remember their lines and saying them like this sometimes and you don't really know what they said. Okay, it's not, it's, it's not entertainment in the way we would normally think of it. But she comes because why? She loves us. She loves my wife and she loves my daughter and, and, and she loves Aaron. And so she comes um, to watch us do those things together. That's crazy and wonderful. Um, go grocery shopping together. Anybody done that? Y'all, like, make your pilgrimages down to Versailles to go to that store where you buy $800 worth of stuff for, like, seven cents. Um, Keep doing that together. That's awesome. Um, Help each other move. Dudes, there are dudes in this room who came and helped me clean out a room, and then some of them, them, Matt's over there, um, came back again to help me put the stuff back in when it was, like, dudes, this is, and this is how they spent two Saturdays in a row. Dude. I love you. Thank you. Um, live in life together. Uh, play games together. Do fun stuff together. Do hard stuff together. Gather to invest in relationships for the sake of knowing each other well and loving each other well so we can strengthen each other well. And remember the last words here. Remember that the day is drawing near. One way or another, our days are earth on this number. Our, our, lives, our lives on this earth as they are right now will cease being this way in one of two ways. Jesus will come back. We believe that's happening. He's coming to establish his, his kingdom on this earth. Or you're going to die. Okay, that's, that's it. And you're going to die. Either way, what we're doing now won't be necessary in the same way that it is now. 
Um, Because once Jesus is there, like, and you go, Jesus, faith is not going to be as tough for us when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord because he's like, bam, right there. Right now, Jesus is right here. The body of Christ is right here. So we have to do this now um, because we want this body to be ready for that day. For when that day comes, we want everybody in this body to have, to have trusted in Jesus and his salvation. We want everybody in this body to have pursued honoring him. So that day comes, we come to him, and we bow at his knees, and he looks at, the, at us, and he goes, mine. These are mine, and I love them, and I died for them. And so you and me and us together forever and ever and ever. If you're part of Chorus and regularly a part of what we do, community, keep doing it. Keep doing what we're doing. Um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes scheduling is hard. Sometimes it gets in the way. Sometimes life circumstances seem to be bigger um, than our community. Um, but keep doing. Keep pressing in. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. But let's check ourselves, too. And let's check ourselves and check each other to make sure that what we're doing is what we're doing for the ultimate reason we're doing it, for the glory of God and the sake of gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that we get together and have fun. Let's not just be people who get together and have fun. The world can do that, um, and we, we want to do that, but we want to also be a community that exists to glorify God. Um, if you're not part of our community, come and check uh, us out at the places other than here. Be in mission. I think everybody here is in a missional community, um, and maybe you're in a missional community sometimes, or, or maybe you're here sometimes. Um, checking us up. Open yourself up to a church community oriented um, to each other um, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Dear Father, um, in your wisdom, you have made us the body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, let us be a body. Um, that lives out that true identity that we are yours, um, that we are Christ in this world. And that means a body um, that ensures the care of each of its parts, that ensures um, that it works together with all the other parts um, to function in a way that brings you glory and brings the world a testament of how great um, Jesus is. Um, Lord, for our selfishness, for the times that we use community only for our purposes, forgive us. Um, forgive us. Um, bring our hearts back upward to you, our minds shaped by you, our, our actions mirroring the actions that Christ established for us. Lord, um, let us stir each other to love love each other. We stir through love. Let us stir one another through two good works, through good works. Um, let us seek, um, as we help each other, to put off the old, the flesh, um, to, to, to not listen to the lies, Satan, and to not want this world more than we want you. But Lord, help us um, to be the church that values the relationships you've given us you've given us for the good and welfare of each other. 
and for the glory of you and your son. Lord, we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.